Good evening, and welcome to the Legal Legal Review, an informative and thought-provoking weekly show covering legal issues affecting everyday people. We know that there are many things you could be doing with your time, and we appreciate your decision to share this time with us. I'm Irving Joyner. And I'm April Dawson. We're law professors at North Carolina Central University School of Law, and we're your co-hosts. The Legal Eagle Review is sponsored by the NCCU School of Law. We thank you for joining us this evening. As we begin this episode, we wanna take a moment to acknowledge all the fathers and father figures listening today. Happy Father's Day. Your love, strength, guidance, and wisdom have helped shape us and the world we live in. Now, in keeping with the spirit of recognizing significant events, today we're discussing an equally important celebration, Juneteenth. Juneteenth, which has also been called Emancipation Day, Freedom Day, Jubilee Day, Juneteenth Independence Day, and Black Independence Day, is tomorrow, Monday, June 19th. Although the Emancipation Proclamation was issued on January 1st, 1863, many enslavers continued to hold enslaved Black people captive after the proclamation. It wasn't until two and a half years later, on June 19th, 1865, that Black people in Texas learned that the Civil War and slavery had ended when Major General Gordon Granger arrived in Galveston, Texas and made the announcement. Juneteenth has been celebrated within the African-American community for decades. And on June 17th, 2021, Juneteenth became a federal holiday. All 50 states in the District of Columbia recognize Juneteenth as a holiday or observance. And at least 18 states have enacted laws to observe the holiday as a paid state holiday. On today's show, we're going to discuss the importance of this holiday with the organizers of the 18th annual North Carolina Juneteenth celebration here in Durham. We have with us as our guest, Phyllis Coley. She is CEO and publisher of Spectacular Magazine and host of Spectacular Magazine radio show. Also joining us is Lawrence Davis. He is president and sports editor of Spectacular Magazine. Thank you both for being here this evening. Yeah, thank, thank you, you so much, much for having us. Absolutely. So let's first start with a little bit more information about the history of Juneteenth. So I spoke about it briefly in the intro, but we'd like for you to both kind of expand upon it a little bit more. And okay. Ms. Cooley, let's, yeah, we'll have you start us off. Thank you. Um, well, I uh, want you to first understand that Granger got off the ship when he went to Texas, but let me just start from there. Uh, after there were three uh, slaves, I won't give you the name, who had escaped and gotten to Virginia. Uh, and then, but so when the slaves owners requested that they be returned, they, it was, they were told, no, we're not going to return them. And hold on. So, yeah, so when they told them, they, they made their way to um, Old Point 
Comfort, Virginia, which is Fort Monroe. And they were there, but then the union said, no, we're not gonna return these uh, escaped enslaved people, but they classified them as contraband of war since the Confederates had left the union by that time. So when they decided they wanted more and more to do this, they um, said no. And so it was the confiscation of property by a General Butler that inspired President Lincoln to write the Emancipation Proclamation, to make that proclamation. You know, working for wages was also introduced in the Emancipation Proclamation. He in, in, issued the preliminary Emancipation Proclamation on September 22nd of 1865, 1862, and that it would go into effect on January 1 of 1863. The, the enslaved people sat in the church that night. That was the first watch night service because they were waiting to be free at midnight. So the fact that people are saying that they always say that the folk in Texas didn't know about the Emancipation Proclamation, that's incorrect because uh, we have found our historians through our national organization, National Juneteenth Observance Foundation, have found newspaper articles. Now, whether the people could read or not is another thing, but mostly there was usually one or two people that could read or someone had told them. So actually they knew about the Emancipation Proclamation. There were just, there were no union soldiers there to enforce it. So that's why the people were not freed. The on May 25th, after this, after the surrender at Appomattox, the United States Colored Troop, and you know, they were almost, and you know, we were losing the war. They were, the um, South, the Confederate States were losing the war, the Civil War, until the United States Colored Troops. And that's what the Emancipation gave them. The Emancipation Proclamation gave them that opportunity that they now could join the um, Union Army. They, on May 25th, in Hopewell, Virginia, which then was called Old North Point, they were given orders, the colored troop, to go to Texas, I mean, to go to, um, they were actually going to Mexico to get Maximilian because Maximilian was trying to, who had come from France, Mexico, and was trying to take Texas to be a part of Mexico. So they were going there. They were never, go they were going, they were going to tell the people along the way, hey, you know, you got the Emancipation Proclamation. However, um, when they, they left to go to, to Mexico, there was a storm in the Gulf of Mexico. And so they had to land in Galveston. That's how they ended up in Galveston. Galveston was never the intended destination. They picked up Granger in Mobile, Alabama. He'd never, he was not on the ship the entire time. Did he issue the, the order? Yes. But he, by all accounts, he never got off the ship. The United States Colored Troop, and there was about 4,000 of them, got off. They marched through the thing. And the sight to be able to see Black men in, in Army uniforms with the brass buttons, but they had guns and they had in their pockets. They took order number three to the colored church, which is now known as a Reedy Chapel Church in Galveston. They gave the, they posted it on the church door. The pastor church, the general order number three, Granger never got off the ship. So, and so what we have now that ended slavery, was the Emancipation Proclamation 
all those, the freedom documents. There was the 13th Amendment. The 13th Amendment really ended slavery. And then there was General Order Number 3 that expressly said to the people of Texas. So that's how, that's Juneteenth. So that happened on June 19th that they made it. So from May 25th to June 19th, it took them to get from Virginia to Texas. But on June 19th, so when they got off, they told them they were free. There are tales that they, the formerly enslaved people threw their um, clothes, their raggedy clothes into the river. They got their new, they got the, the clothes of their formerly um, owners. And so the first Juneteenth was fabulous. I mean, they wore tails and evening gowns and everything. And they ate food that we call soul food, no longer eating slavery food, which we call things like chillings and stuff like that is referred to as slave food. So that's the Juneteenth story. Mm. Thank you so much for providing those rich, very important details. Um, Mr. Davis, do you have anything you'd like to add? I don't. I, I, I feel like she covered a lot of the history. I could kind of talk a little bit more about the history of Juneteenth um, here in Durham, North Carolina, um, or at least our celebration, seg segueing into that. Um, we do a celebration every year, um, which started back in so 18th year now. So back in 2000 and Oh, my math is 2004. 2004. We took a year off for COVID, obviously, but we started down at, we actually began right here at North Carolina Central University. Um, our very first one was right here outside, inside and outside of the, um, the um, gymnasium, um, excuse me, McDougal McClendon Arena, excuse me, let me get it correct. Um, so um, that, that's where our first one took place. And then we moved down um, a little bit down Fayetteville Street, um, right outside of Haytai. Um, we're there for a little bit, and we've kind of slowly but surely progressed a little bit closer and closer downtown Durham. Um, now we are at the um, Golden Belt um, campus where we, we held our festival over the last couple of days. And so that's kind of our history on how we got to, you know, this past weekend. Can I add a little bit to mm -hmm. that? Yeah. That I'd like to, because we're on a legal show, let's talk a little bit about the legislation that we did to get to where we are now. Uh, in 2007, the um, National Juneteenth Observance and the official, which is the official organization, came to Durham, presented at the Durham County City, at City Council, not Durham County, Durham City Council meeting, that they were um, designating us as the official North Carolina Juneteenth celebration. Uh, and we, he explained, I didn't know these things at that time, but he explained to me by doing it at the city council meeting, it became a part of the city's record. And so then, so, so starting with that, so in 2009, the late um, representative Larry Womble, uh, I worked with him and he got, a, he's a Democrat from Forsyth County. I worked with him when he got someone from across the aisle, a Republican to sponsor the Juneteenth bill legislation. And it was passed. So in 2007, it passed. This was House Bill 1607. And, um, but the, it said that it would be, that North Carolina would recognize Juneteenth when it's recognized nationally. And so, I wanted 
you know, I thought, could you not, I'm English major, could you just take, could not take a red pen and mark through when it's recognized nationally? And they were like, nope, that's not how it works. It has to be reintroduced and you have to go through all of this process. So we went about getting it reintroduced um, every year in long sessions. So that was 11, 13, 15. So finally in 2015, our, uh, uh, State Senator Mike Woodard, who was out of Durham, um, I think he's District 22 uh, or 20, but anyway, so he introduced it and finally got it passed. So now that means that it was passed in the State House in 09, it was passed in the State Senate in 2015, but it is still saying that it was just going to be recognized. And so right now what we're doing is there is a movement to get it so it, it the state actually recognizes. So we become one of those states where it's recognized because right now it's just recognized as a day of observance. And so we still have, we're st so we're still in that battle. We are also, and I'd like to make a plea while I'm here, we are also as a national organization compiling data of, county, of um, counties and municipalities that have it as a paid holiday. So if there's anyone listening of your listeners please reach out to me at spectaclamag.com and let us know so that we can document this because we are able to document this on a national level um, across the country, then it gives us things to go for. So now we can say, look, all of these people are doing it. Excuse me, why, why is your city not doing it? So it gives us that ammunition to do that. And so that's what so all, that we're also working on now. And so that's why I said, and so the legislation of behind this is so very important. Well, let me just uh, ask you, you know, the Juneteenth celebration or Freedom Day celebration or Jubilee Day celebration uh, historically has been celebrated in uh, Texas and uh, Louisiana uh, mm -hmm. since uh, 1865. And uh, I, I recall robust celebrations going on in uh, each state and that was uh, pretty uh continuous can you talk about phyllis because you, you were the, the mainstay in this can you talk about uh the recognition of the existence of juneteenth and how you uh decided to bring it to durham as a uh, celebration and then to help educate uh the uh, local community about its occurrence and its importance. Yes. Okay, so maybe we did not call it, it wasn't called Juneteenth, but we're celebrating also the ending of slavery and the ending of the Civil War. Why I wanted to do it in Durham is because the Civil War ended in Durham County. Okay, so this is what we need to know. At Bennett Place in Durham, which is off Hillsborough Road, this is where Sherman and Lee and I may get the generals wrong, so I won't go into that, <laughs> but the Confederate general and the, this met at Bennett's place because Bennett place was a small farm and the owners of the Bennett's that own that farm never were slave owners. So they thought that this was a good place. This is where the surrender, the last surrender happened that essentially ended the civil war happened here in Durham. So that's why I want to do it in Durham. And that happened on April 25th of 1865, that surrender. So that's why this is so important here in Durham. Can you talk about the the reception of the idea of celebrating Juneteenth in, in Durham and in North Carolina kind of generally? And so as 
Um, Irv mentioned um, Texas, Louisiana. Uh, I spent some time in New Mexico. So a number of states have had robust celebrations for um, years and years and decades and decades. What was the reception like here in North Carolina and in Durham when you were proposing the idea of um, celebrating the end of slavery, the end of the Civil War, and kind of tying that into a Juneteenth celebration? Well, there was there was a myriad of <laughs> there, there wasn't one reception. There were people who were saying to me, "Are you saying June the tenth? You know, okay, so okay, so let's start there. Okay, so that then that we knew that there was an education process needed very much. Okay, because people will, and then it was like, well, if it's June, if you're celebrating June tenth, June the tenth. Why are you having it on June nineteenth? You know, so I mean, I got all of those. There were when I go to talk to in corporate America, very very uncomfortable, a lot of red faces when I said the word slavery. Okay, that we're celebrating the ending of slavery. Um, but as the years went on, it became more accepted and, be, and people became more aware of what we were doing. Um, we went about doing things, we went to schools, I spoke anywhere that anybody would allow me to speak. And um, so it's, it's been there. Now, as you see, there's Juneteens all over. Miss Opal Lee, who we call the mother of Juneteenth, she's the one that you see in that picture that's standing over President Biden when he, he signed the, the bill. He, uh, she told us when we were, in, we all met in um, Tulsa, Oklahoma, no, in Galveston. We were in Galveston in Tulsa, one of those. She told us all, state directors, understand that people are going to come out of the woodwork now to do Juneteenth, those same people who wouldn't even talk to you. But she said, and but we've pitched a, a tent, and our tent is big enough for all of those people to come under it. We just need people to understand who pitched a tent, who's been out here fighting, and you know, using our own money to do these events. You know, so yeah, it's it's been a thing. But now I'm I'm just I'm happy. There's four or five different events going on just right here in Durham. Um, so I'm just really happy because people are becoming aware and they're becoming aware that it's not just a black holiday. And that's another thing that we want people because slavery affected everybody. All right, with that, this is uh, the Legal Eagle Review here on WNCU 90.7 FM. And uh, we're talking uh, this evening about uh, Juneteenth, uh, its, uh, its origin, uh, is uh, history, is uh, impact, uh, and uh, celebration that uh, ongoing beginning um, last Saturday uh, through really the uh, middle of the uh, of the week. Uh, we're talking with uh, Phyllis Coley, who is uh, CEO and publisher of Spectacular uh, Magazine and host of the uh, Spectacular Magazine radio show and uh, the Mover and Shaker. Uh, for uh, Juneteenth here uh, in Durham and in North Carolina. And uh, joining her is uh, Lawrence Davis, who is the president and the sports editor of Spectacular Magazine. We're going to take our break right now. I want you to uh, stay with us as we continue this, uh, this discussion about this very important uh, 
holiday. So uh, we'll be right back. Hello, this is Kiana Woods, and I'm a third-year law student at North Carolina Central University School of Law. This week on the Legal Eagle Review, we celebrate the Juneteenth holiday. On June 19, 1865, in Galveston, Texas, General Gordon Granger informed enslaved African Americans of their freedom and enlightened the people that the Civil War had ended. This announcement came nearly two and a half years after President Abraham Lincoln's Emancipation Proclamation that was deemed to be the official end of the Civil War. As of 2021, Juneteenth is recognized as a federal holiday after President Joe Biden signed it into legislation. Juneteenth is the first new federal holiday since Martin Luther King Jr. Day when it was adopted in 1983. The federal holiday regained public interest after the police killings of George Floyd and Breonna Taylor. It is traditionally celebrated by the reading of the Emancipation Proclamation, the singing of the African American National Anthem Lift Every Voice and Sing, and for most, a cookout. Today, Juneteenth gives the nation a chance to celebrate human freedom and allows further reflection and acknowledgement of the legacy of slavery. This is Kiana Woods with the Legal Eagle Review. Thank you for listening. Okay, we're back on the Legal Eagle Review where we are continuing our discussions about uh, Juneteenth. Uh, Juneteenth is uh, an African-American holiday created uh, by and for African-Americans in uh, 1863, following the uh, Emancipation uh, Proclamation uh, that uh, was issued by uh, uh, President uh, Lincoln. And uh, it took two and a half years from the uh, presentation of the Emancipation Proclamation before news uh, arrived, uh, or at least a official news arrived in Galveston, Texas, that there was uh, the emancipation and the end of the uh, Civil War. And uh, we're talking with uh, Phyllis Coley and Lawrence Davis uh, about that. Uh, Juneteenth is just one of the uh, African-American holidays. Uh, Decoration Day is another one uh, originating out of Charleston. Uh, but it's not had, a holiday, but it's not yeah, a holiday. Which not, became uh, holiday. Memorial Day. And uh, we are certainly uh, trying to tie in uh, the importance of all of these African-American holidays that have been uh, created over the years. Uh, one of the things, and I'm, I'm going to go back to uh, Ms. Coley, uh, that we're talking about was the education of people about Juneteenth. And I understand now that there is an effort called Juneteenth 101. Can you talk to us okay, about yes. uh, Juneteenth 101, how it uh, came about and what is being done uh, to promote the uh, education of people, further education of people about uh, Juneteenth? Yes. So under the, our, the national organization, the National Juneteenth Observance Foundation, which was the organization that was responsible and worked on the legislation 
that I'm under the state as a state director that I work under. So I, we have different committees. Of course, I serve on the communications committee, and um, but we have an education committee. And we have some heavyweights on that committee, including people like Calvin Pearson, who is the project 1619. Okay, and that research and everything that they did, they realized that we needed it with the education effort, then we needed where it was a consistent story that's told. So people will stop with the story that the people didn't know about the emancipation proclamation, they knew about it, it just forced. Um, and so we have all of those things. So under the national organization, so at national-juneteenth.org, you can go there and, the, and Juneteenth 101 is a downloadable um, like PDF and you can download it and it takes you from the history through 1862 through 1865. And actually it goes to 1866 because it talks about other things, educational process. Um, that we're doing because we recognize that now there is also an accompanying uh, lesson plan, but, and that is, is on the middle school level. So what we're doing now, we're in the process. The education committee is in the process of getting this out to all of the school boards across the country. And so that's how that's going to be taught for, for there. But we're also making it available to churches. Uh, we're making it available to um, like the scouts, you know, to just all kind of um, organizations that will have this information. So it's available, but like I said, it's free, it's right there. That's how we're doing it. But that's how, because we are very grassroots, this is how we do things on the, as the grassroots. Yes, thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Um, one of the things that you mentioned towards the end of the last segment before we took our break, uh, you emphasized that Juneteenth is not just a black holiday. Can you uh, expand upon that, that notion and, and why is that so important that we as a, as a country, as a society recognize that? Because the economy of this country was built on the backs of slaves. This country, we, we slaves built this country. So, and the wealth that we talk, you know, that we hear about in those the wealthy people and and the slave owners and those people who had cotton and all of those things, they were affected by that. So, yeah. So, it's important that yes, is it something that we want to do? But it's just, it's just like on the, with Martin Luther King Day. Martin Luther King Day is not just for black people. Although he was very much about civil rights, he worked for black people, but he but that day is not just celebrated or recognized by just by African Americans. And this is the same thing with Juneteenth, because the former slave and, and the descendants of the former um, slave owners should recognize the history as well. Yes. So we've talked a lot about the the celebrations that have gone on uh, and continue to go on. Can you talk about how you have gone about, you and your team have gone about planning the Juneteenth celebration here in Durham? And so we know that um, your event has been a great success. It, it's concluded by the time folks are listening to this episode. But can you talk about what goes into your planning as you're thinking about ways to celebrate Juneteenth? Yes, 
So one of the things that, that's very important that was, that was a part of our Juneteenth is that we have several different activations. We go back and we look at what was happening and what do we need to redefine in, the, you know, in 2023. So one of the things that we do, we, we do is we have a health fair, we had a health fair. That health fair was sponsored by Duke, um, Duke Health and Duke University Office of Community Affairs. And in that, at the health fair, um, we had cholesterol screening, blood pressure screenings, COVID testing, COVID shots, if you, uh, a booster shot if you wanted one. There is, uh, there was HIV testing. And we do all of those things because of the disparities that came out of slavery and, and we still and we still as a race experience now with health disparities. So that's one of the things. We had, we had a fashion show. The clothes, you know, actually there was legislation in the slavery legislation, they actually had to tell, they, they told the, the uh, slave owners what they had to provide. They actually literally had to write down, you gotta provide clothes for your slaves. I mean, they had to write this down. So they, so we have a fashion show because that um, defines, because at the, like I said before, when they talked about, they threw all the clothes in the river and their old clothes and they talked about how uncomfortable they were. They had, a, their clothes were made from what they called the Negro cloth, which was really almost like a burlap. I mean, very, very uncomfortable. So we had a we have a fashion show to do that because you know that's we're always about clothes. Anyway, we have a large kids zone because children in during slavery did not have a childhood. I mean, as soon as they were able, they were working. So we make sure that we have activities. So we have those things. We have food because and we have a lot of red food because that was one of the things that. It was one of the traditions that came out of Texas and Louisiana. So you know they were always barbecuing. They had they had um, <laughs> strawberries. They had some type of red punch. We just kind of call it Kool Aid now, but they had some type of red punch. There was a lot of red, um, and so of course we have food, and we got we have a lot of barbecue. But we have a variety of food, but there's the food, and then there is entertainment because at that. Um, the first Juneteenth, they had fun, they danced, you know, people were out there, you know, making music, singing, you know, whatever. And so we, that's why we have those things. So all of those go into things. There's one thing I have not been able to incorporate at the first Juneteenth, they had a baseball. <laughs> have not been able to incorporate that part yet. But when you ask us, so all of the things that we, we plan are by design. Mm -hmm. And it's to show that, you know, the, how it goes back to the first Juneteenth. Well, with respect to the history uh, here in uh, Durham, uh, you began in uh, 2004 at uh, North Carolina Central University, and we're certainly proud of that, and many of us were around uh, at that, uh, at that uh, beginning. Can you kind of talk about the uh, early days of the uh, organizing of the Juneteenth uh, festivities? Yes. And the kind of uh, activities or engagements that uh, uh, that occurred uh, to help the community learn more about uh, the origin of Juneteenth and the importance as it related to activities here uh, in uh, in Durham. Yes. So at Juneteenth, when I knew this is what I wanted to do, 
and God had put it on my heart to do this, I went to Bill Hayes at North Carolina Central, who was the athletic director at the time. Now I asked him if I could get the field, the football field to have this thing. And he was like, uh, no, you can't be on my football field. Cause this is before we had, we had that's when they had real grass. And he was like, uh, you can't be on my field in June but I'll let you use the gym. And um, so we started there, North Carolina Central. They, they put the floor cover, they set up chairs. They put the stage out, the same stage they use for graduation, um, for winter graduation. And um, so then I know I needed sound. And I just gotta tell you, Stanley Baird, Willie Hill, um, BT Green, who was a, 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 who's a, a gospel guy. I said, I, I reached out to each one got together and said one said I got a guitar amp and one says well I got a keyboard and one said I got a set of drums and they said I got a speaker and this one said I got a microphone and I ended up with a sound system I mean with a whole sound professional sound I mean a board and everything at our first Juneteenth so and then from there I just reached out to folk that I knew who sang and did different things and um, I started working now it helped that I had been the festival director for the uh, Bull Durham Blues Festival so I had some of these connections and kind of had some idea of what it took to go into this so that was how we started out with our first one and it was kind of built on that every year where I actually have a professional sound company now but I'm still reaching out to these people I still they're still in my corner they still call and say do you need anything and so I appreciate that so much. Well, it's been a long struggle uh, to get to where we are uh, today. And uh, you talked about uh, earlier the uh, endorsement of the uh, city council here uh, mm -hmm. in Durham and later uh, the work of uh, Larry Womble, who was very uh, Afrocentric, uh, really uh, involved a leader in the African-American community to uh, gain some state uh, recognition of, uh, of Juneteenth. Uh, can you talk about uh, the, uh, the, those efforts and how uh, the uh, success of that encouraged you to move forward and faster in uh, motivating people to uh, continue to participate in uh, these activities? Yes. Yes. So when I, having worked with um, at Thompson and the, um, at that those days it was called the Alliance of Black Elected Officials, which is now known as the North Carolina Black Summit. Um, but so I started working with them and this is how I met um, Mr. Womble. Also, I did a lot, I did some work with the Winston-Salem Chronicle. So I was in Forsyth County every other week. Um, and so this is how I met him. And like, and as you said, he was just very, very pro-Black. And so, um, and that's how that got started. But can I, we talk about the city council, but I need to tell you before I, this fifth, we raised the Juneteenth flag down at Durham County Courthouse. And that was, and it's still flying. It Well, it comes down uh, tomorrow. So there's one more day. It will come, when it comes down at, at uh, in the evening of, of tomorrow night, um, that's gonna be it until next year. I gotta say, I started out, I thought, okay, I, I want to do a flag raising at the post office downtown. But then I realized that's federal and that was going to be a lot of hoops to jump through. So I said, okay, well, let me call. I sent an email. I talked to Brenda Howerton, our um, board chair, commissioner board chair. And she said, send an email. I sent an email to all five of the commissioners. I didn't get an answer. 
I didn't get a reply. I was like, oh God, so, okay, so let me get ready to jump through hoops. Um, and I saw them all like next week and they were like, oh no, we've already uh, given it to, to staff. It, it's already in the works. Then, then uh, Sheriff Burkhead said, okay, so what do you need to do? And I was like, well, who raises the flag? He said, oh, we got that. Durham County ordered the flag because there's an official Juneteenth flag. Um, they ordered the flag. It's now a part, you know, of their, they own it. Um, we had an event. It was, I mean, so nice. I had Buffalo, Buffalo soldiers, reenactors who came in to hoist the flag. The Durham County Sheriff's Honor Guards uh, presented colors. And I mean, it was just really beautiful. And we told the Juneteenth story. I had um, attorney Larry Hall, who is our former uh, secretary of the, of uh, Department of Veteran and Military Affairs. I may have it backwards. And, uh, but then we had um, Senator Mike Woodard. We had Sen Senator, who read the Emancipation Proclamation. We had uh, Senator Natalie Murdoch who presented the 13th Amendment. And then we had um, Pastor Jay Augustine from St. Joseph AME to, to read General Order Number Three. All of them, Woodard, reading as Abraham Lincoln, um, Murdoch reading as, you know, as a, as a elected official because it was the Senator. Um, and then Pastor Jay Augustine who represented the, the, the uh, pastor of the colored church. And so we had those downtown and they've already asked me, do I wanna make this an annual thing? Well, you know, it didn't hesitate. <laughs> okay, yes. We do. And so, yeah, so now this is going to be a regular thing that the, that the Juneteenth flag will fly next to the United States flag annually. So, yeah, so that's one of those things that I just really, we need to know. And it, when you guys, well, it won't be up there now because it's, it's night, but tomorrow, please go by and see the flag. Excellent. Um, you are listening to the Legal Eagle Review here on WNCU 90.7 FM. And we have been talking this hour about the Juneteenth celebration and the 18th annual North Carolina Juneteenth celebration here in Durham. We have with us as our guest, Phyllis Coley. She is the CEO and publisher of Spectacular Magazine and host of the Spectacular Magazine radio show. Also with us is Lawrence Davis. He is president and sports editor of Spectacular Magazine. We're gonna have to take a quick break, but we hope you stay with us. We will be right back. Hello. This is Shantae McNeil, and I'm a second-year law student at North Carolina Central University School of Law, and this is your Community Spotlight. Tomorrow, June 19, 2023, from 12 to 2 p.m., the Research Triangle Park is hosting a party in the park to celebrate Juneteenth. The celebration will happen at the Experience Center, 300 Park Offices Drive, Research Triangle Park, Durham, North Carolina. This event is free, and there will be music, food trucks, lawn games, and books by Black authors on display. This is Shantae McNeil, and this is your Community Spotlight.
And we're back. Thank you again for tuning in to the Legal Eagle Review here on WNCU 90.7 FM. I'm April Dawson and my co-host, Irving Joyner and I, have been talking this hour about Juneteenth. And we have with us here in our Zoom studio, the organizers of the 18th annual North Carolina Juneteenth celebration here in Durham, Phyllis Coley. She is the CEO and publisher of Spectacular Magazine and host of the Spectacular Magazine radio show. And Lawrence Davis, who is president and sports editor of Spectacular Magazine. So Ms. Coley, one of the things that you've mentioned is the creation of the National Juneteenth Observance Foundation. I, I've, I'm hoping I'm, I've gotten the name right. Yes. Can you talk a little bit about how that organization came about and how it has benefited um, or added to the observance recognition of Juneteenth and how it has supported state and local efforts. Yes, okay, so you, the name is correct. It's the National Juneteenth Observance Foundation, which was started by oh, about, it was 25 years ago because we're going back to New Orleans in, um, in October, uh, but it, they met at a church in New Orleans, uh, and that's when the organization, and so Doc Myers, who is a doc, Dr. Myers, Ron Myers, MD, uh, who was out of Mississippi, was there. We had um, Reverend John Mosley and some of the other men who are still with the organization, but like I said, they're celebrating 18 years. I've only been in for 19. I mean, I'm, they're celebrating 25 years. I've been in for 19. Um, and yes, but that organization, Doc, before he passed, travel from state to state, working with people who were doing Juneteenth, designating them as the state director, and then working with them to get the legislation passed in their, in their respective states. So, and so when we went and um, Danny Davis, uh, who is a representative from Chicago, introduced the bill in Congress and he introduced it. Uh, and then that's when they said, well, you're gonna need three fourths, I mean, of the states, three-fifths of the states to recognize it before it can be done nationally. And so then those efforts, so right now, 43 states recognize it. They may not recognize it as paid, but 43 states uh, recognize Juneteenth. So that was enough that we were able to go back. And so those, our legislators, uh, I talked about Miss Opal Lee. She's a part, was a part of that, of the founding organization. She's based out of Dallas. Um, and so those, um, organizations, the, the organization has worked really hard. The Juneteenth flag that we have, Ben Haith, who is out of um, Massachusetts, uh, designed the flag. And then he had an illustrator there to, you know, and made it. And then we had our own Betsy Ross, if you will, who actually made the first, made the flag. Um, and so the organization has been the or is the national organization working for Juneteenth and as a matter of fact tomorrow it, I mean like it like you know five o'clock in the morning I'm heading out uh, heading to the White House we're going to have Juneteenth at the White House tomorrow and we will be raising the Juneteenth flag at one o'clock so we start out with a march that starts at the um, Martin Luther King Memorial goes past the Lincoln Memorial again you understand the, the significance of going past Lincoln Memorial and then ending at the White House that starts at 11 45 then at one o'clock we'll be raising the flag and then we will uh, 
a Juneteenth flag will be presented to President Biden. And then we have some entertainment and there's a lot of things that are going on that day, but I've been working on that committee oh, for the last four or five months. Uh, we all, you know, so we under, and that again, under the National Juneteenth Observance, they've been working with the Park Service. We had a shove off day, which is the day I talked about May 25th. I went up to Hopewell, Virginia. We all went to that could make it, went there, designate that, that day because the National Park Service wanted us to do it. The National Park Service also controls the grounds at the White House. And so that's who we're working with um, because that the ellipse was so destroyed from the Easter egg hunt. We can't be there because they just planted the sod. So we're gonna be on the South Lawn and in the portico for this celebration tomorrow. So let me just ask you, you know, in, in 2004, mm -hmm. and to some people that was a long time ago, <laughs> uh, when, you, when you came up with this uh, effort uh, to promote it uh, here in, uh, in Durham, mm -hmm. uh, did you have any idea that by 2023, that this would become a uh, national uh, holiday? And that's the first question. And the second question is, in that push, in that promotion, just how important has been the uh, support of uh, African-American elected officials in uh, promoting this as something that uh, ought to have national recognition and observate and, uh, and observe it? Okay, okay. Did I dare to dream that it would be? I, I think we, I was happy. I thought that we would, that it just be, rec that it's recognized as a, observance. So to, if, I, if the truth be told, because we were told that there was a moratorium on holidays and there would not be any more holidays passed, but they lifted that moratorium. So yeah, so what we were working for was a day of observance. So really we got way over what we thought, but the quarantine and the situation with George Floyd um, pushed that effort further along. And then um, your second part of the question was how is about with um, black elected officials? Um, okay, I'm gonna tell you the truth. Trying to get one to just come out to the celebration is a challenge. Because it, it, has, it has been a true challenge. Now, um, our Senator Valerie Fu, she was there yesterday and she was gonna come to the flag raising, but um, Representative um, Jeffress said she needed to be there because they were voting on something. And I was like, no, 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 you be in DC. You know, if we're voting on any kind of legislation, you be there. But, but in the past, it has been really a challenge get someone there. Uh, Representative Butterfield always came. Um, the mayor always, you know, comes. Bell, Mayor Bell comes. But really trying to get folks out there, elected officials out, has been a change. But you had the uh, support of uh, President Barack Obama. No. Uh, no? No, we did not have the support of President Obama. Do you want me to expound? Yes. <laughs> okay. We, um, Doc Myers was still living then. They had visited with Obama. They had, uh, Danny Davis took him in. Obama, I, okay, let me not say that he didn't support, but Obama felt like as a black president to introduce this black holiday, it wasn't gonna fly. So let me not say that he, we, he didn't support it. 
he just felt that he wasn't may not be was not the one to introduce it because it wasn't going to fly with with the you know with the situation and the lay of the land that was just not a good thing for him to introduce a black holiday yeah and i think that goes back to your point about how the holiday came about um i, I know i you know, have been observing Juneteenth for, for a while, and I was not optimistic <laughs> about there being a, you know, it being a federal holiday. Mm -hmm. And I think, as you noted, the pandemic, particularly the issues surrounding the murder of George Floyd and what we were going through as a country in terms of this racial, um, a reckoning, right? That that those are the things that, without a doubt, I think, fueled the effort, provided additional wind behind it. And at the time that Barack Obama was president, I don't know if I disagree with his assessment of it. Um, you know, I, I not that that should dictate whether you you make the effort. I think that's a separate issue. But was could we have seen a path forward at the time that he was president? Um, I don't know, but but I do think to your point about what had happened with uh, George Floyd, that that helped absolutely to bring about the motivation and the momentum to get it done. Yes, and also I think that Biden, President Biden also, was very aware who who made it possible for him to be in the White House. Mm -hmm. Yes. Okay. And so I think that all of those became a factor. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yep. So what is the future? So we have the okay, federal so holiday. Let me just say this, and I please watch out here because it's we're not over. We're not over mm -hmm. with our Juneteenth. As I said before, Juneteenth. Uh, and, and the slavery and so had so much to do with economics. So during the month of July, we'll be hosting two, uh, along with Truist Bank, well, they will be doing, and we're, we're going to be hosting two uh, learning workshops about how to, um, you know, get a mortgage. We, there are two different ones. One is geared toward maybe, you know, working people. And then there's one who's geared toward business owners and small black business owners and we're going to and they're going to talk about how to get how to buy a home you know how to get your credit straight you know other funding opportunities that they provide and so we will be continuing on with those um things and then in august we are partnering with truest bank again to have a um black business expo so those juneteenth efforts go on even after june 19th and I'm also aware that uh, on tomorrow, the uh, NCCU, uh, there will be a uh, Juneteenth uh, celebration beginning uh, at, uh, at noon uh, that will last for the uh, afternoon, uh, the entire afternoon. And then on Wednesday, there's another uh, event over in Morrisville. Uh, so there, there is a spreading of the awareness of this uh, very important uh, celebration and uh, the participation of a wide swath of uh, individuals who recognize uh, its importance. And all of that is due uh, to the uh, work of uh, Phyllis Coley in uh, promoting and pushing and uh, educating 
uh, people as to the importance of this uh, of this uh, observation of this observance that uh, that we are having. So, uh, Phyllis, we we need to just publicly thank you for all of uh, all of your work. Oh, let me just mention also uh, there will be a Juneteenth celebration in West Durham. So. Uh, you said there is a Juneteenth celebration, West Durham, and this is on Monday. In West Durham community tomorrow. Okay, excellent. Mm -hmm. And and if I could add to what uh, Irv was saying about the event being sponsored by the North Carolina School of Law, Social Justice, and Racial Equity Institute, their Juneteenth activity, we will have panelists, some of our North Carolina judges, we have North Carolina Supreme Court Justice Anita Earls, North Carolina Supreme Court Justice Michael Morgan, who is an alum of NCCU School of Law, also retired Superior Court Judge Gregory Weeks. So they will be on the panel and the panel will be moderated by our very own Professor Irving Joyner. So we encourage folks to come out to NCCU uh, this will be held at the Student Center from 1 to 4.30 p.m. So you've talked about kind of the, the future in terms of the focus on economics. Um, you've talked about what we can look forward to here in North Carolina. Do you have any thoughts on what's what efforts are being made kind of nationally? So we've got the National Juneteenth Observance Foundation. Are there any national uh, projects that the foundation is focusing on to continue to increase understanding, education, recognition of Juneteenth and the end of slavery? Yes, we will have a Juneteenth commemorative coin, and it's going to be handled, and we and it's handled the same way as um, the um, the daughters of the. Um, American Revolution, dare. And so that will be, and it, I mean, it's gonna be a coin through the Franklin Mint, comes in a little case and all of that. So that's the next thing that's gonna be coming down the line because the, um, pro the proceeds from those sales um, of those coins will help us with the uh, other things that we're looking to do nationally. Um, one of those, Things is, is to have a marker that's going to be an oh, there's the park service is putting up a marker at Hopewell at oh, at that point where they um shoved off where they where the United States colored troop mm -hmm. left. And you know, North Carolina is the only state that has a United States colored troop park in Wilmington. There is a park of Stephen Hayes, who is a professor at Duke, uh, designed it, he's an art and an artist, and it it, it is. It's amazing. It and it was he did it by casting. He found descendants of the 35th uh, regiment, which is out was out of Newburn, and um, he so he was able to cast their faces with that. You know, he cast their faces, and that is there. So they have a lot of activities in Wilmington. Every uh, you know at the mm -hmm. colored um, at the United U.S. T. Park um, on a national level. Like I said, we're doing the um, that we're doing we, that. That's a massive piece of getting Juneteenth 101 to all the school boards across the country. Now we know a lot with a lot of them with with, with the banning of books and so forth that they probably we're gonna so that's gonna be a massive effort. But that's one; those are the things that we're working on. And there's one other 
committee and I can't think right now, but there's so there's a lot of things that we are looking to do. But again, as a volunteer organization, um, it's been a we've been able to do. And, you know, because it, there's a lot of time and a lot of our own money that goes into this. Well, thank you for sharing so much information, the history, where we are currently, as Irv had mentioned, all of your hard work um, for many, many years, decades to help wow, get- okay. I hadn't thought about it in the term of decades. Yes. Okay, I'm sorry to cut you off. That just really hit me. Okay, yes, <laughs> you, you've been in this fight for a, a long time. And, and I think Irv is absolutely right. We certainly here in North Carolina would not be where we are today without all of your hard work and effort and, and commitment to making sure that um, Juneteenth, the end of slavery is given its due recognition and commemoration. So I echo his thanks and I know we all do uh, for all of your hard work and effort um, in the past and, and what you're planning on doing in the future as well. Well, thank you. That's really nice for both of y'all to say. I mean, you know, when you do stuff and you start working, you look at how much time, what you're doing, and, and certainly not doing it for any kind of accolades. It's always about making sure that people knew about their and were proud of it. And I just got to throw in one thing. I need folk to be proud of it and don't let anybody embarrass you about eating watermelon. Okay, because we brought those over here. I mean, our people brought those seeds. Do not let anybody embarrass you about watermelon. Again, mm -hmm. one of those red foods. Mm -hmm. okay. Right. Well, well, thank you for that. That's a good note for us to, to end on. We are out of time, but we'd like to thank Phyllis Coley. She is CEO and publisher of Spectacular Magazine and host of the Spectacular Magazine radio show. She is also the um, state representative for the National Juneteenth Observance Foundation. We also would like to thank Lawrence Davis. He is president and sports editor of Spectacular Magazine. He actually had to, to drop off, but we appreciate him being with us and sharing his thoughts earlier in the show. And of course, we'd like to thank you, our listening audience, for spending your Sunday evening with us. We hope you've enjoyed the show and that you will partake in Juneteenth activities on tomorrow, on Monday. And again, happy Father's Day to all of our fathers and father figures who are listening to the show. If you have any questions about this show or any other show, please send us an email. You can reach us at LegalEagleReview at nccu.edu. And if you missed this show on Sunday, you can find us on the Legal Eagle Review podcast. Until next week, stay informed, engaged, healthy, and safe.